Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday morning. We're live from the office of Living Light Outdoors. Got a message for you this morning. Man, it's been a wild week. I know we've had some ups and some downs. We missed a day. We had to give a little bonus round on Thursday because Wednesday I was out of town. Couldn't get to my notes. Couldn't get to my stuff. Uh, it has been a week for sure. But God is still moving. God is still blessing. God is still on the throne. And we're winning. I hope you know that. We're winning. I want to share a message with you today that I put together quite some time ago that, um, again, as I'm filtering back through notes, God gives me the green light. This is the time. This is the go. So with that in mind today, I want to ask you a question. Do you love me? Obviously, I'm not talking to you about me, but Jesus asked this question. Do you love me? And we're going to look into this a little bit. This We're going to go to, to John chapter 21. Verse 15 through 19, where this is being recorded, starting with verse 15 of John 21, it says, Son, or so when you had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, these others, these, the total commitment and devotion? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. And verse 16 says again, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me with total commitment and devotion? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you with deep personal affection as for a close friend. And Jesus said to him again, shepherd my sheep or feed my sheep in other versions. In verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me with a deep personal affection for me as for a close friend? Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time, Do you really love me with deep personal affection as for a close friend? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now, Jesus asked Peter this three times. Do you love me? And we see this recorded there in Scripture. This occurred when Jesus was having breakfast with his disciples soon after his resurrection. So Jesus has already been through the crucifix. He's already been arrested. He's already been beaten. Peter's already denied him three times. Okay? Keep, keep that in mind. So Jesus used this opportunity to encourage and exhort Peter about his upcoming responsibilities and, and even to prophesy the manner in which Peter's going to die. We'll see that in a little bit. By asking Peter, do you love me three times, Jesus was emphasizing the importance of Peter's love and unswerving obedience to the Lord as necessary for his future in ministry. Now, Jesus begins by questioning Peter about his love for him, and each time Peter answers in the affirmative, Jesus follows up with a command for Peter to feed his sheep. Now, his meaning is this. If Peter truly loves his master, he is to shepherd and care for those who belong to Christ. His words reveal Peter's role as the leader of the new church, the body of Christ, where in Jerusalem that will be responsible for spreading the gospel after Jesus ascends into heaven. Now, it's possible that, that by his repeated questions, Jesus is suddenly reminding Peter of his three denials. Remember, Peter denied him three times, and Jesus asked him this question three times. It's almost like washing that slate clean. There's no doubt those denials and how he felt when Jesus turned to look at him at that moment were seared deeply into Peter's mind. You see this reflection of this in Luke chapter 22, verse 54 through 62. 
It wasn't lost on Peter that Jesus repeated his question to him three times, just as Peter previously denied him three times. Now, there's also an interesting contrast when you look at the Greek words for love used in John 21, 15 through 17. When Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? You notice what it says, and I've used the Amplified version here. When he asked him the very first time, and Jesus said, do you love me more than these? Your total commitment, your total devotion. And Jesus, Peter's response was, absolutely, I love you. But look at look at the differences here. When Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He was used the Greek word agape, which simply means unconditionally. So, so, so Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Both times, these first two moments, Peter responded to, to, with, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But Peter's response used the Greek word phileo, which refers more to a brotherly friendship type of love. Notice what it said, how it broke that out in, in this scripture. Um, in the Amplified Version, it says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you with a deep personal conviction as for a close friend. That's, that's definitely the breakout there. I'm going to have to fix this. I don't know why that's doing that. Turn this down a little bit here. Hopefully you can still hear everything that I'm doing. I'm going to turn that off. It doesn't bong on us anymore. Get back here where I'm at. All right. All right. We'll go on. <clears throat> so you notice the difference. Jesus is asking him, do you love me unconditionally? But Peter's response is, I love you like a brother. I love you like a friend. I love you like someone who's close to me. Again, there's a lot of difference here. Both times Peter responded with this phileo love. It seems that Jesus is trying to get Peter to understand that he must love Jesus unconditionally. He's trying to get him to see this in order for, for him to be the leader that God is calling him to be. Now, the third time that Jesus asks him, do you love me? In John 21, 17, Jesus himself uses the word phileo. And Peter again responds with, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Again, using the phileo love. The point in the different Greek words for love seems to be that Jesus was stretching Peter to move him from this friendship, from this relationship, from this brotherly love to this agape love, this unconditional love. Whatever the reason for the threefold do you love me question, Jesus was impressing on Peter how important his new role to tending the flock of Christ followers was going to be. When someone repeats instructions to us over and over, we quickly understand that it is extremely important for us to heed these instructions, for us to act accordingly, for us to do exactly what we're being asked to do. Jesus wanted to make sure Peter understood his vital charge that he was being tasked with at the ultimate reason for it, to follow him and to glorify God. Um, John 21, 19, uh, or verse 18 and 19 actually says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and walked wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and arms and someone else will dress you and carry you where you do not wish to go. Now he said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me, walk the same path of life that I have walked. There's the importance, the agape, the unconditional. Walk the same path. Do as I've done on this earth. Carry on my role is what he's speaking. 
Mark chapter 12, verse 30 through 31 is one of my favorite scriptures. We actually founded some ministry on that. And when we were in New Mexico, um, we, we were, we were a Mark 12, 31 ministry. Um, and it says, and you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the second you shall say, or, um, this is the second command that you shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus is talking about that we're to love God. We're to, we're to love him with everything we have. There's nothing left. When you love the Lord with your mind, your soul, your, your strength, everything about you, your, 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 your whole life is, is enrolled in all of this uh, with your body and your soul and your mind. It's an agape kind of love. It's unconditional. It's sold out. It's what we referenced it. And it's the greatest commandment that there is. The very nature that God, uh, the heart of God is essential, eternal love. And his sublime attribute permeates all his other superlative qualities. This greatest of all command of, to love the Lord your God embraces and intertwines with every other facet of, of his beautiful eternal uh, character. Love is the alpha and the head the headspring of the fruit of the spirit love is the superlative and the preeminent affection of the soul love is the peak and pinnacle of a life that is a that is hid in Christ and God and when all is brought to comp- completion there remains these three faith and hope and love but the greatest of all of these is love god desires that we love him to the very heart and core of our being so that the deepest affection of our souls is securely centered with love on him. God also desires that we love him with every fiber of our intellect, our understanding, so that our moment-by-moment thoughts and cognitive ponderings turn in love to his beautiful person with an undivided mind, that nothing else can separate us. Jesus identifies this as the greatest of all the commandments given to Israel through Moses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. But Jesus goes on further, for as well as loving the Lord with all our heart and soul and strength, he adds that we are to love the Lord our God with our whole mind and intellect as well. Every quality of life is to love God in this agape love, unconditional love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength is the first commandment. It is the greatest of all commands, for it means to love the Lord and seek him with passion for who he is and not for any other motives. It is to find our soul satisfaction in him alone and to strive with every fiber of our being to love him more and more. To fulfill this first commandment given to Israel and to attain the greatest command that Christ gave the church, to love as he loves us, brings us to the brink of despair, and it requires God's fallen creatures to attain to the impossible. It is a command we will inevitably fail, but it also lays the groundwork of understanding God's love for us and his grace towards us. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That, that's unconditional love. That's loving to the extreme. That's loving to the fullest. It is also designed to bring us to understand that without Christ, we can do nothing. But in him, we can do all things, including to love as Christ loved us by allowing him to live and work through us so that his love shines through our life. 
He would be glorified through it. That, that's the ultimate, that we love God to the extreme, that he can live through us, that our life represents his life, and it brings glory to God, and his life shines through us, and he'll be glorified for it. It is out of his deep and everlasting love for us that he commands this level of affection from his children. For it is only as our love is centered upon him that our lives will be transformed into his image and his likeness. Only then will his perfect love flow through us into others. We've got to love him unconditionally. Loving the Lord with all our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength is a progressive love that builds and develops in our Christian walk. As we grow in grace and in a knowledge of our Lord and Savior, so we grow in love for the Lord our God and are enabled to have that love translated into the good works that, that God has prepared for us to do. Only as our thoughts and desires are focused on Him will we grow in grace and in a knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Only as we love the Lord our God with our whole heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and with all of our strength will our love be centered on him and our lives transformed in the image of the likeness of the only begotten son of his love. May we learn to consciously love the Lord with our heart, to love him with every fiber of our being. May we seek to love the Lord with all of our soul, to love him our, to love our own to him our own and will and our own emotions may be determined to love the lord with all of our mind everything about our mind but that we love god our intellect and our undivided attention and may we endeavor to love the lord with our all of our strength to love him with every part of ourselves spirit soul and body may our love for the lord re be reflected uh, the command of his challenging verse and thou shalt love the lord your god with all thy heart all thy soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. In this passage of John 14, we find Jesus teaching his disciples on a personal level. And as they question things, Jesus thinks they should already know, and he says this. John 14, 15 says, If you really love me, you'll keep and obey my commandments. Chew on that for a minute. I mean, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-filled society. Our flesh wars against our spirit nature on a daily basis. But Jesus simply says, if you really love me, if you truly love me, if you love me agape style, he's using that agape word here, if you truly love me unconditionally, you'll keep my commandments. You'll walk in my ways. You'll live according to my word if we really love him. I want you to consider that in your everyday life. Do you love me? The unmistakable meaning of this passage is that obedience to Christ's commandments is both a sign and a test of our love for him. When we're obedient, it shows that our, our love for him is real. When we follow his word, when we do the things he's asking us to do, when we go according to his will, when we, when we die to ourselves, when we pick up our cross daily, sacrificing ourselves on the cross of life, and live according to his word as he commanded, it proves our love for him. Immediately after Jesus makes the statement, if you love me, you will keep my commands, he says, this is John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Obviously, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus knows that by keeping his commands in this fallen world will require a divine source of power 
in the form of the Holy Spirit's presence living within us. We have to have the Holy Spirit within us. Not, not just the acceptance of it when we accepted Christ, but we need an immersion in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's what happened to Jesus' followers. There was 120 gathered in that upper room that day when the Holy Spirit entered that room like a mighty rushing wind, and it appeared as tongues of fire that sat down upon each one of them, and they began to speak in other tongues, and other language. It was a heavenly language. It was a holy language that none of them even understood. People on the street understood it to prove the fact that it was God's power being represented, being poured out on those guys that day, or whoever was in that room. There was 120 of them. Thankfully, we have made a model for loving Jesus and keeping his commandments. The love of Jesus Christ and his life of obedience to the Father, John 14, 31. I think I have that. <clears throat> it says this in John 14, 30 through 31. It says, I will not speak with you much longer, for the ruler of the world, Satan, is coming, and he has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything that he can use against me. Verse 31 says, But so that the world may know without any doubt that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me, and act in full agreement with him. Get up, and let's go from here. Jesus is calling us out to that today. Get up, and let's go from here. Allow yourself to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. There's much to do. We don't have a lot of time. This is our time. This is what he's called us to. Get up. Let's go from here. Uh, where am I at? Obeying Christ as the commands means copying the example of Jesus in John 13, verse 15 and 16. It, loving Jesus is not merely a feeling. It's an active, abiding, ongoing relationship of following and obeying our loving master. John 13, verse 15 through 17 says, For I gave you this as an example so that you should do in turn as I did to you. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed, happy, and favored by God. If you put them into practice and faithfully do them. John 1, uh, 1 John 2, 3 says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. It's the way we know that we know the Lord is by keeping his commands. John 15, verse 12 through 13, this is my commandment that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. Just as I have loved you, no one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his own life for his friends. John, in John 15, 13, Jesus alludes to the sacrifice he's about to make. The disciples surely missed the true depth of these words in that moment. But after he died on that cross and rose again, these words took on a whole new meaning. No greater love a man has than, than to lay down his life for his friends. It's, 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 it's sacrifice. It's, it's being willing to step out where Jesus went. It's walking in his ways. It's living according to his life. Jesus showed that there is no greater love than this when he laid down his life for us. The main point of this verse is this. Jesus displayed the ultimate form of love for us by going to the cross, by dying for another. He laid down his own life, his own personal goals. One of my favorite versions of the whole thing is when Jesus was in the garden before he was arrested. He became the most human to me at that moment. As he prayed, if you go back and look at this, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, his disciples had fell asleep. He'd gone on into the garden. He was in agony because he knew what was coming. He knew what was going to happen to him. And, and he knew he had to accept it 
But he said these words, these most human words, Father, if this cup could but pass from me. In other words, Jesus was in his human nature saying, Lord, you know, if there's any other options here, I'm game. I don't really want to do this. But he finished that prayer with, but not my will, but yours be done. God, not my will, but yours be done. If this is necessary, if this is what has to happen, I'm willing. I'm willing to give my life for humanity. And that's exactly what he did. Jesus laid down his life for you. Therefore, because of what he's done, you are to go to do the same for those around you. You're to lay down your life for your friend. You're to sacrifice your will for God's will. You're to give up your way of life, your personalities of life, and follow Christ 100%. Allow him to be in you to the point where people see him instead of you. How's that? I love that. This means that we are to die to ourselves, our desires, for the benefit of those around us. Rather than fighting for our rights and and what we feel like we deserve, that we lay down our, our commitments and our lives for their benefit, just as Jesus did for you. Followers of Jesus are supposed to be known by our love. John 13, 35 and John 15, 13 meaning shows that this is actually what it looks like to lay down our life for our friends. And just imagine the impact the church could have and could make if this is what we did. If we laid down our life, our rights, our desires for the sake of others, rather than fighting for what we deserve or what we feel like we deserve, and what if we served, what if we loved, and what if we sacrificed? You know, I recently heard a pastor talk about how a couple left his church because they didn't like him teaching on serving. Um, what? It's who we are. We're here to serve others according to the the, the way the Lord served. You know, pastors, if you want to really get down to the nitty gritty and look up that word's meaning, it says servant. We're to serve others. It's not a hierarchy. It's it's not a. I mean, becoming a, a follower of Christ is literally doing what He did. He gave up His life for mankind. We're to follow in His footsteps. We're to live according to His word. We're to do the things that He did. He healed the sick. He He opened the eyes of the blind. He 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 loved people unconditionally. Even the lowest of lows, in the midst of that. Jesus showed us the way. He had the the right and the ability to make demands and fight for what he knew was best, but he didn't. Remember when Satan tempted him? You got the power. You could could command a, a whole legion of angels to come down here and save you that you wouldn't even dash your foot upon a stone. But that would have been selfish. That wasn't why he was here. He didn't do these things. He gave up his rights for our sake. Because of the world... Because of this, the world has never been changed forever. We can change the world too by living according to his word, doing what he's called us to do, living up to his version of life that we love unconditionally, agape love. Let me ask you this question once again. If Jesus were in front of you today and he asks you, do you love me? How would you answer him? Would it be like Peter? Well, 
Lord, you know I love you. I mean, you're like my brother, buddy. Or would there be a, a, a serious, unconditional love between you and the Lord? How would you answer him today? Do you love me? I want you to consider that because we're at a pivotal point. We're, we're at a pivotal point in our lives. We're at a pivotal point in our nation, in our culture. The, 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 the selfishness runs rampant around us. You see it every day. I see it every day. I deal with it every day. Not very well sometimes, but I do. We're not to be selfish. We're to love unconditionally. How are we to treat those who mistreat us? Love them unconditionally. What did Jesus do? He loved them unconditionally. They arrested him for no reason. They, they brutalized him for no reason. They hung him on a cross for no reason. There, there, was, there was never a point in Jesus' life that he did anything that, that, that warranted how we treated him in the end. And he did it purposely for us. It's why he was here. It's why God sent him. It's why he was born. It's why he walked out the years he spent on this earth. And it's why he did what he did in teaching his disciples, his closest followers, to live as he lived. They were walking with him, and they still missed it. We got to understand that we have got to get in his word, dig deep. You heard me ramble on my, my road trip home the other day, you know, about not taking social media scripture for, for heart. Get in his word. Dig it out. Know what his word says and follow it with our whole life. Do you love me? He's asking you that question today. How do you answer him? God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for following our podcast. Thank you for supporting Ron and I financially. Thank you for supporting us in prayer. We desperately need your prayer covering. Continue to walk with us on this journey as we seek out that which is lost so that it may be found. We love you. God bless you. Hope you have a great 4th of July weekend. We'll talk to you again real soon.